what's the point of worship? What's the real reason that we come together to celebrate the Mass? The goal is to look like Jesus. I really want to tell you what I've been trying to tell you for two days. Mindfulness of the audio levels. Just give it some effort, would you? There's something so beautiful to just remaining hidden in the heart of the Father. We've got to be exhausted. Let's be exhausted for the kingdom. We became Facebook friends. I just want to tell people how awesome it is to be Catholic. There's so much freedom. From St. Pius X Church in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is Roar Like the Lamb. Hey, Paola, welcome to Roar Like the Lamb. Oh, well, thanks. I haven't been here before. Tell <laughs> know, me about this it. It's your first time. What's going on? What's going on is the beard is on the chopping block, as you well know. We've made 340 so far. That's up from from what I when I checked this morning. I'm nervous now. <laughs> you can check. Yeah. Really? I just I just clicked on the link and, and it shows you how much has already been. Raised. Oh, I just go to the app. <laughs> so I what we're that. doing, uh, if you if you haven't heard yet, is uh, we're trying to raise money for our youth ministry so that we can take our students to Catholic Art Work Camp this summer and uh, also to a Damascus summer camp. Some some good opportunities for the kids to to do things in a pandemic year and when especially last summer they lost every opportunity to do anything cool like that. So we're trying to take them uh, to do this stuff, but the distance has increased because there are fewer camps available, fewer opportunities like this available. And then our location canceled on us right before Easter. Exactly. So we ended up having to go all the, we're going to Nashville. Which was uh, the closest. (laughs) The closest closest available camp, which is kind of crazy, but I'm still excited about it. I'm I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to do it. But what that means is that the, the cost of the bus is a lot higher. So as a little fundraiser, if our students raise $8,000, I will shave my beard. If our students raise $12,000, I will remain clean shaven until August. First. I had to ask for clarity. Was it through August or until August? Yes, I'm, I'm anticipating the start of No Shave November on August 1st. Uh, <laughs> and let it remain perpetual. <laughs> yeah, it's been four years since, since I shaved, and the last time I shaved was for exactly the same purpose. So I think this is the only time you should be shaving your beard is if it's for serving people. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm okay with that. I I got a text this morning from my dear friend, sister Angela. And she said, if I had $12,000, I would give it to you today. (gasps) But of course she's a religious sister and does not have $12,000. So I'm so happy. And, uh, (laughs) just to give you a sense of, of sister Angela and how wonderful she is, not only was she willing to give me $12,000 if she had it, um, she also trolled me with Captain America gifts and other things like that. So the text conversation was really, really funny. (laughs) It was great. I loved it. I loved it. So she wants you to be as clean shaven as Captain America. Sister Angela is very much anti the beard. Oh, and, and lets me know it. Wow. Yeah. As well, as only a sister can, and I don't mean sister, religious sister. I mean like like a real sister. Like, yeah. Like she is my sister. That's yeah. what she does. Yeah. Um, and it's it's pretty great. I'm actually no, like, it's fully fine. in favor of it. There are a lot of people who have strong opinions about your facial hair. You know what I should do is I should offer to retain relics for her, and just send her pieces of the beard. <laughs> Here you go, sister. For the future, you have my relics now. <laughs> so then you need a reliquary. <laughs> And I'm sure you can find one online. You know that's how they got relics of St. Maximilian Kolbe? Because St. Maximilian Kolbe was, was burned in the ovens at Auschwitz, right? Yeah. So there's no body. Right. Um, but his his friars in his community had started cleaning up if he ever got a haircut or <gasps> if he ever trimmed his beard at all. His beard was, was pretty epic. 
So That's anytime, true. anytime there was any kind of uh, clipping going on, yeah. they would, they would clean up and hide his, his hair. Wow. Um, so that they would have a relic. They, they had the intuition that they this knew. is an extremely holy man. Yeah. They knew that something was happening. So they kept, they kept relics. So that's why we have relics of St. Maximilian Colby. It's just, it's just strange. Catholic friends, like, man, my friend is going to be so holy. Let me keep some of his facial hair just in case. Fortunately, <laughs> no one's ever had that thought about me. <laughs> Facts. It's okay. You can say it. Facts. No one has ever thought, Hey, I should try to get me some of Father Sam's beard so that I have a relic when he's gone. It's ridiculous. Of course it's ridiculous. That's anyway, ridiculous. I am I am sincerely happy to do this. A, a little a, a little hesitant, I guess. Naturally though. Because I, I really don't like shaving and it has been four years since I've seen my chin. I really thought it was five. Maybe it was five. I don't know. I think it was four, but it could have been five. Okay. So it's been but I've only been here six years, and I didn't have the beard at that length mm. for the first year that I had a beard. It's fine. All the years in my head are just they, they all blur together. They're anyway. all one. All right. So last week we got the chance to talk about this is a terrible transition. <laughs> last and week. you complain about me and my transitions, please. <laughs> I forgive you. Okay. All right, Queen. You do your thing. All right. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just gonna drink my karma water. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's how it goes. So last week we were talking about forgiveness. We talked about mercy and the need that the world has for mercy. I should have been more merciful in that yeah. statement. <laughs> and I was not. Well, no, but we, we, we kind of laid the groundwork that, look, the, we're living in a world that is is so divided. And part of the reason that it's so divided is that we, on the one hand, want to permit everything, as Cardinal George said. We want to permit everything, allow everything, and just say, yeah, everything's fine until there's something that we can't tolerate. And as soon as we, we come across that thing that we can't tolerate, we don't just say the thing itself is wrong. We also assign it to the person. And so we end up with this, this really brutal approach to people who mess up, mm -hmm. to people who sin, such that whatever they've done is the thing that defines them now and can never be forgiven. That's the thing we're always going to remember about them. And all it's doing to us is making us more and more angry. Mm -hmm. But it's also preventing people from acknowledging their own flaws because there's a fear now that creeps in. It's not just like, hey, I can recognize my, my own imperfection ordinarily, but if I'm surrounded by a culture that's always insisting that my imperfection defines me and is the only thing about me, and if my imperfection becomes known, I now know that there's gonna be huge consequences on my life. Mm -hmm. I might not be willing to acknowledge my my own imperfection now. Yeah. All right. So then we end up with people not fully able to acknowledge that they're not perfect. But how important it is to be able to say, I'm, I'm not perfect. And I know that. I'm trying. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to keep trying. Mm -hmm. But we're we're really finding ourselves in this in this kind of strange place. Yeah. You know, how do we how do we how do we get beyond that? So we realized that we would need at least two episodes to talk about this. Right. I mean, you suggested three, but now I think we're going to two. What would the third one be? I don't know. You said it. Huh. <laughs> You're like, I think we're going to do a three-part series on this. Well, maybe today we'll find out that we need to do a third part. I, <laughs> okay. I don't we don't know until the end of these things, folks. That's how we just roll with punches. We just roll. It's great. Um, yeah, but I guess I, I'm going from let's let's look at the big landscape 
that big broad picture that shows us that we've got all this stuff going on in the world. We've got this culture now that we have sort of fostered all around the world that nothing can really be forgiven. Right. Whatever evil, sin, mistake, whatever you want to call it, whatever right. happens, that's the thing that defines you. Right. How do we start to how do we start to heal that? Hmm. And I think one of the things like as, as a priest that I see a lot is, is people not really understanding the effect of sin on their own lives. They have the sense that something is, is something that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, but they don't know how to name it anymore. Like we've lost the ability to talk about our own sinfulness. So I'll hear a lot of times from people, well, it's been, uh, it's been about, you know, six years since my last confession and I just haven't really been the best person I can be. Like, is that it? Is that it? For six years, you just haven't been the best person you can be. I'm like, there's, I know that there's more. And not to, um, this isn't about judging you for yeah. for what's more, but it's about rather letting you be free of those things because you're holding on to that under the title of, I haven't been the best person that I can be. Right. But that's not really the thing that's holding you back. It's, it's, it's the, that, that's the cumulative effect of every individual sin, of every particular sin, of every bad habit, of every sinful habit, of the wounds that you've received from other people and your relationships with them. Like stopping at, well, I guess I just haven't really been the best person I can be. It's a start. Right. But it's not the only thing. That, and I just, I so badly want people it's to It's like have you're more. at the shallow end of the pool and you still have to go to the deep end. It's like not even the shallow end yet. Okay, well, it's like standing on the, the edge of the pool. pool. It's like it's, yeah, it's, not even the not even the kiddie pool. You're standing on the edge of the pool where like the water has just kind of come over the edge a little bit, yeah. and so your your feet are slightly damp yeah. while you're standing there. Oh yeah, this is nice being in the pool. You're not in the pool. Get yeah. in. It's so much better. There's so much more that you can experience, and yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that this is what happens if if we're surrounded by a culture that says everything's okay. Yeah then our own understanding of our imperfection and our sin becomes distorted. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to recognize my sinfulness, my, my own disorder in my life. I think with that too, is you also have this numbness that like covers you. So you're in a way, not even aware of how this is affecting you. Like you're going to feel like this heaviness. Um, maybe you get to this point of numbness that you no longer feel shame over it or sorrow or, um, contrition. And so to really say, I'm going to take this time to be honest with myself. I think that's the first step. It's how, am I, how can I be honest in, with myself, with people like relationships that I'm in in order to really get into like the deep end, like really dive in deep. Um, but sin numbs the heart yeah. and the mind and our conscience. And if, if we're numbed to that, to, to sin in our own lives and to our own conscience. It's also easy then to fall back to the, let me just write off this person who's sinned against me. Right. So if I get hurt, it's easy for me to say, well, they're out of my life and I don't want anything to do with them anymore yeah. because of what they've done. Yeah. If I do that, they're not in my life anymore. I want nothing to do with them. I'm still carrying around that, that pain. Yep. I'm just trying to keep them away from me. Yep. I don't want to hear from them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to know anything about them okay, mm -hmm. but that's only going to get me so far. Right. At some point I have to be ready to take a, a step. But if I don't know my own need for mercy, mm. 
I'll never see that mercy is possible for anyone else. If I don't know my own need to, to have my imperfections healed, I'll never believe that anyone else can possibly have their imperfections healed. <clears throat> so isn't this weird? If you hurt me, but I'm so lost in my own stuff, yeah. <laughs> my own mess, I just absorb that hurt. Now I'm trying to avoid you. I'm trying to keep you as far away from me as possible. I don't believe that you can change. And I've now defined you in my own mind and heart hurts me as being this person who, mm -hmm. who harms me and that's about you. That, that's the only thing I can see. I can't see the possibility of you ever changing because I don't see the possibility of me ever changing. Ooh. If I can't change because I see just my, my, my own stuff that I want to keep hidden, Yeah. right? I'm living in this culture that says if, if your secrets become known, watch out because you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose all happiness. You're going to lose your position. No one's ever going to love you ever again. That's what our world tells us. Mm -hmm. You can do anything you want except for the following things. And if you do those things, then guess what? You're done and, and you'll be completely miserable forever. It's, it's a super depressing yeah. <laughs> message, but we internalize that without even, without even realizing it. And then that hurts us. So when you hurt me, I'm just now trying to keep you away because I don't want anybody to know my, about my stuff. I don't believe that you can change, but isn't this weird? Yeah. What are the most inspiring stories? The ones of change. Exactly. The ones of what are the, what are the ones that we love to watch? What, what are the ones that get featured on a, a news program on, on, on TV, on Heck, even in like the movies. Like the series The Chosen, which I was going to quote in well, a second. <laughs> no, I was thinking more like we get so inspired when oh, we yeah. see somebody who's overcome drug addiction yeah. and has, has been able to succeed. When we, when we find somebody who uh, was the victim of some sort of a crime and in spite of that is we now We like helping. stories of victories. We, we love it. Yeah. It's so exciting. Mm -hmm. So we know somewhere in our human nature, we know that there's supposed to be change. Yeah. And yet there's this part of us that's buying this lie from our society and from our culture that says there's no possibility of change. Yeah. All right. So Mary Magdalene, um, did you watch, have you seen The I Chosen? I have not seen The Chosen. I've heard great things. I haven't seen a single episode of, I know they're in the second season now. I have only seen one. Okay. <laughs> and my friend, uh, shout out to Isaiah listening from California. Woo. Yeah. Oh, he, he gets a shout out. He listens. Um, but he's like, you got to watch this. And I so haven't. You'll get there. <laughs> I'll I, get there. I will too eventually. But there is this one line at the end of the movie and, um, the whole beginning of the first episode is encountering Mary Magdalene, who really was living in this place of numbness and darkness and isolation. And Jesus comes to her. And I was waiting for Jesus the entire first episode. I'm like, where is he going to show up? Because I was starting to get bored. And I was like, okay, great. Okay, so they're setting up the plot. Like, you're meeting the apostle and this. And, like, I had no idea that Mary Magdalene was, like, the woman we were watching. I was like, oh, okay. And then at the end, towards the end of the episode, uh, she's leaving this um, – this bar, but it's not a bar. It's a rest. I don't know what you call these things like back then. A tavern. A tavern. Yes. In, 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 I couldn't. A pub. <laughs> it was a pub. I don't know. It was an Israeli pub. I don't think ancient Israel. Had right. That's pubs. what I know. But that's how they set it up. They're like, okay, she's in there having a drink because she's really upset. And Jesus walks out following her and says, Mary. And the moment he said her name, I lost it. Because hmm. then I heard him saying my name and I cried. Uh, her life starts changing after that encounter because she was she has been called by name. And then somebody asks her, the rabbi was um, 
had been asked to come and do an exorcism because she was being plagued by demons and it didn't work until Jesus had come and had took care of it. And so he asked her, what has happened? And her response was, I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Mm. It's just a beautiful line because the depth of that encounter was so deep that what he was asking was, well, what changed? It was too deep for words. So like, that's why Paul in the scripture says like, some things are too deep. So you just sigh and you groan. But she says, I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. That's good. That's beautiful. I like it. It's worth crying over. Are you going to cry? No. Oh, okay. I already did. <laughs> the crying already happened. Okay. Um, all right. So here's, maybe this would be, maybe this is a, another, another episode then. Oh, are we deciding now? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking out loud and maybe that's a dangerous thing to do on the podcast. No, I'm thinking out loud. Okay. Because I, I think that the idea of forgiving others sort of follows on our own ability to it's recognize good... our need for forgiveness yeah. and our ability to forgive ourselves. Exactly. I, that's, that's what I was going to go with. And then that, that healing in, in relationships happens later. But first I think just examining ourselves. So if we're buying the lie that we're defined by, by our sin, Mary Magdalene has, has adopted this sense that these demons define her. Yeah. And before she can get into any of the other relationships in her life or any of the other people in her life who have caused her any pain or suffering, she first has to deal with the demons that she has mm -hmm. herself mm -hmm. that belong to her as it were. Right. That's, that's us in our sin. I'm living in a world that tells me that I can do anything I want. Yeah. This is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite baccalaureate mass homilies that I ever gave. I said that you that. made a whole class cry. They were all girls, by the way. Yeah, it's a girl's school, so I always make them cry. That part's not difficult. No, it's the, I, I, I told them at the, at the very beginning, it's their baccalaureate master, all sitting there and like excited about going off to college and you know, we're going to change the world. This is great. And I just looked at them and I said, you've been told your entire life that you can do anything you put your mind to. And I'm here to tell you that that is not true. It's not true. It's a lie. You cannot do anything you put your mind to. And they're all going, <gasps> this terrible thing that this priest is saying to you so mean. And I said, look. I have tried my whole life to slam dunk a basketball and no matter how much I put my mind to it, it's not happening. You know why? Because I'm not the right person to do it. And then I talked to them about how they have to be true to who they are right. and what God wants to do through them, through their particulars, not just because they want to do it, but because God wants to do it through them. And that, yeah. that's when I, like, I, I took it in a good direction, but oh, I know, I, I believe started you. off by You weren't just going to leave them there. <laughs> sometimes I'm tempted. I won't lie. You know, just to leave This them. is why no one's going to save fragments of your facial hair. Okay. This just okay. shares. That's true. All right. So we're living in this world that says I can pretty much do anything I want yet, even though I can do pretty much anything I want, nothing that I do can ever really be forgiven. Yeah. That puts me in a position of, of being afraid because I recognize that there are things that I do that I shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know of a single person who can say with total honesty and authenticity. I have zero regrets about my entire life. I've never done a single thing that I wish I hadn't done. We like to think that it's a, it's a good way to live. I have no regrets, but the fact is that we should have some regrets. That's a healthy way to live. Now that doesn't mean that we should be burdened by regretting everything. It just means you're not afraid everything. of failure though. Yeah. You know, you have a healthy sense of like, it's okay to fail because I grow from these experiences. Well, let's start with that. Yeah. Like a healthy sense of failure recognizes I'm not perfect. I'm not always going to succeed. Yeah. Um, 
if that is marked by though a, a, a malformed conscience, failure is okay, but it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Whereas a good healthy conscience says failure is, is okay so long as with God's grace I try to grow. So long as with God's grace I try to take steps towards towards virtue. I need to recognize my own sinfulness. But how can I recognize my own sinfulness if I'm afraid that acknowledging it will harm me somehow? If I'm afraid that if if I have to say I'm sorry for something, that means that I'm going to lose everything else. Because that's kind of the world that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. What did Mary Magdalene do? Like she accepted it. She was honest. And she heard the voice. Yeah. And what did that do for Mary Magdalene? Resurrected her. Yeah. One, it's because you have Jesus's voice calling you out, but he's not calling you out for the sake of calling you out. He's actually calling you out of your, your darkness, out of your place of shame, out of your, your pit. That's, that's what God wants to do. I need to get a Bible real fast. <laughs> I'm there's, sorry. <laughs> but there, there's a sense of safety. Yeah. We have to know that that we're safe in order to do that, and and that's actually exactly what Jesus provides for us. Yeah. This idea of I need to be forgiven. If I need to be forgiven, then I need to know that if I'm going to examine myself, to name the sin, to name the imperfection, to name the flaw, to name the thing that I have done that has hurt other people or that has hurt myself, if I'm going to be confident enough to name that thing, I need to know that I have I have safety in doing it. And what we need to remember is that acknowledging our sinfulness and our own need for mercy is actually a very safe thing, provided we're doing this in the context of, of where God is present, right? Mm-hmm. Because he provides for us that, that place where we can bring forward the wounds, where we can reveal the things that have, have been hurt in our lives, where we can bring forward those things that we have, that we have done against him. And we find there not anger or condemnation, but we find rather his forgiveness and his mercy. Right. So I'm going to, um, ask if anybody is really struggling with this and wondering if they're worthy of being called. So I, this past week up with Bible study, we did a scripture meditation, um, Mm. with Isaiah 43. Nice. And in one of the comments that somebody had said is it's strange listening to this passage because I don't believe that God calls me by name. And mind you, this person is faithful, Mm. like very faithful to church, very faithful to church teaching. But she recognized a part of her heart. She goes, oh, but that's, he calls other people by name, not me. You know, Um, so I'm just going to read this out loud because this is, so Isaiah chapter 43, um, and the title is Restoration and Protection Promised. Like even that is just enough to tell you where this is going. And it's restoration and protection protection promised, promised, man, like God is a promise keeper. So it says, but thus that's incorrect. Let me read again. (laughs) Let me start again. (laughs) I think sometimes I have (laughs) dyslexia. You don't. No, I don't. I don't. Okay. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. 
because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So I only read like the first seven verses. Um, and when we did this, the one thing that had stuck out to me is one, you have God's just, just God saying, I love you. If you need to find that in scripture, I mean, there's so many ways in which it's said, but, um, God is saying like, I have called you by my name and I love you. And that was Mary Magdalene's experience for her to be called by her name and to be revealed to her that she is loved by Jesus. Mm. But then God is, I am going to go through the ends of the earth and I'm willing to make sacrifices for you. Like this is God's promising. Like I will, um, get kingdoms and give them to you as like, I will pay the ransom. But you also see in there, first of all, <clears throat> you are called. So come to the, come to this place of mercy, mm -hmm. come to receive that forgiveness that you need. And then you are going to go and bring others to receive that mercy. So in other words, instead of, keeping the world sinful and afraid, mm -hmm. you're going to be the one that brings that freedom, peace, and lack of fear. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, to heal that wound. So that world that is telling you now that nothing can be forgiven, you're going to be the one that goes and stands as the witness that says, no, in fact, everything can be forgiven. Right. That's really powerful. It's beautiful. Awesome. I love it. The line. Yeah. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So it's important to recognize our own need for forgiveness because we're living in a world that simply doesn't forgive or that finds forgiveness extremely, extremely difficult. We need to recognize on a personal level, our need for forgiveness. I'm an imperfect person. I think recognize it, but then also experience God's forgiveness yeah. to us because then only then does, can I go back to the people in my life that I feel very hurt by? Right. So, but the, the experience of God's mercy, mm -hmm. especially in confession, yes, most importantly in confession, exactly. that experience of God's mercy requires though, that I know what I want forgiven. See, there's that, that part, God knows our heart and he knows what's on our, he knows what we're carrying. He knows the wounds. He knows the sins, all of that. He knows it. He gets it. He sees it. But then this is our movement towards God. It's us coming to God and saying, Lord, I want this to be healed. I want this to be forgiven. And so we need to be prepared going in before confession begins. <laughs> we need to be ready to know these, these are the things that I, I am aware of. We can become aware of our, of our sin in prayer. We can become aware of our sin in, in good reflection. We have to know that that's a safe thing to, to have happen mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel good. When I start examining my conscience and I start realizing the stuff that I've done, <laughs> like you ever find yourself just super convicted of something? Yeah. Convicted of a sin that you go, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize that that happened. Until you take the time to really sit down and then you're like, oh, I didn't, oh, come on, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or even worse, even worse, it's, it's, it's actually, I think, easier when it's just me, when I become convicted. Oh, of, but when of someone else calls you out on it? Oh, that's the worst. It's, the, it's a terrible experience. Somebody's yeah. just told me that I've hurt them or that something that I did yeah. really caused them great pain. Oh, it sucks. And maybe I knew, 
Yeah. But chances are I had, I had no idea. Yeah. And now I've got, we call this formation. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But now I've got to deal with that. Well, here's the thing. If, if I hear it, if I understand it, if I know it good, that's one thing. But now I've got to bring that somewhere. Yeah. I've got to bring that to the one who can offer me mercy. So getting into confession is that chance for me to say, here's everything. And the great thing in the confessional is that everything is fair game. Mm-hmm. And God wants to just run wild in our hearts, forgiving. Honestly, confession is so good. Yeah. And sometimes the experience of confession we might feel like that didn't seem like a great confession. It doesn't seem like much much was going on at all. But not much really needs to happen. Right. Mm. We think it, we sometimes we can think every everything's going to be a a big revelation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just that coming to the Lord and saying, "Here's here's the wound, here's the sin, mm-hmm. and I need mercy." Mm-hmm. God and His goodness is good enough to give that to us. Yeah. There's a simple um, healing thing when it comes to forgiveness, or just for healing in general. Name it, claim it, heal it. So, yeah, that's it. That's it. (laughs) Name it, claim it, heal it. In confession, God wants to wipe it all out. But that—that's His desire for us. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. You got excited. That's awesome. I did, (laughs) because little moments happen. Last night because I was thinking about this, um, we were going through the Egyptians leaving, uh, no, the Israelites leaving Egypt and now in the desert complaining and they were doing the whole golden calf. So we were looking at that story last night and one of the students, I asked him like, well, you know, they were just saved from Egypt. You know, now they're going to this promised land. God is teaching them how to worship him again. Uh, why did they go and make the calf? And, uh, one of the girls, Maria just said something, well, they just grew impatient with God. So they went back to what they knew and what they knew was idolatry and sin because it was too much to believe. Um, what is it that this future holds for them or these things that God is promising for them? Cause in some way they're very unfamiliar with it, but they are familiar with their past life. And so it was easy to just take things from their past and build on that rather than build on the promises of God. So they build, you know, the golden calf, um, and, and do idol worshiping. But I was struck by that a little bit more, how much God makes promises in our lives, but we keep going back to the past because that's kind of what we know, or in some degree we're comfortable with, and we could bring it back. We might have our, like, we might be in a different place. Like our location can change, but our hearts are going to be tempted to like dip into the past to build off of that rather than to, um, you know, the Lord says, fear not, like fear not. I have these things promised, but like to cling onto what God is promising. Yeah, that goes back to that, that wound, right? If, yeah. if I've done something, then I'm tempted to define myself by what I've done. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to, buy into the, the false label, right? I'm going to buy into the false name that's been given to me. Right. And God is trying to really take out the identity of the, of Egypt in the Israelites and really trying to make them a people after his own heart. And so he's trying to reform their identity or not really reform. He's trying to remind them of what they are, but he's trying to cleanse them through that process, but they just want to go back. Um, and I, I, I was really just struck by that because, you know, like 
I do that with sin. I'm like, dang, like God is offering me all these things. And I go back to the, my Egyptian past. Yeah. That's, I was like in, uh, the line, the witch in the wardrobe when, uh, turn that off. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was like in the line, the witch in the wardrobe when are we receiving callers? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting callers now to the, to the show. This isn't even live. It's amazing. <laughs> um, no, when the, the, the children are asking about Aslan, mm-hmm. is he a tame lion? Oh yeah. They say, well, no, he's not a tame lion, but he's a good lion. He's not tame. God wants to just get in and get rid of whatever sin is in us. And he wants to, he wants to cleanse us. And there's a certain part of it that can feel almost dangerous, but God is good to us. Mm-hmm. Our fear of his goodness is that we really start to think that maybe he's not good. Maybe he's just wild. Mm. Maybe he's not tame and therefore dangerous. Mm-hmm. He's not tame, but he's also good. Yeah. Because tame suggests, no, he's been trained and he's he's under our control. Mm. Good means he's good to us. And he's and, good at what he is. He yeah. is. Sorry, I was about to bring your solid cut into this. He he is like what he's supposed to be at like, um, I don't know. He's the best line that there is. He oh whatever. Anyways, continue. So we are sinners who need mercy, mm-hmm. and to to hear that, like, hey, you need to be forgiven. There's stuff in your life that needs to be forgiven. Is not an insult. It's not bad. It's not a critique. It's not a judgment. It's just the truth. You are an imperfect person, you're a sinner, and you need to change. No judgment there, it's the truth. But it's only when we confront that truth in our own lives that we're ever going to be able to go out and do anything else for anyone else. The only way we can offer forgiveness, the only way that we can bring mercy into the world, because we can look at the world and say, yeah, this is this is a mess, and this sort of division that has sprung up because we don't believe in mercy or because we won't forgive anything is actually hurting us. It's hurting our world, it's hurting our society, it's hurting our children, it's hurting everything. You know, we can get into the, the big, like, whole, whole thing. It's like, it hurts Mother Earth, everything. <laughs> it, it hurts. It's painful. We see a world in this in this kind of pain. You want to change that, look at your own sin. Look at your own need for forgiveness and go get it. Go get that forgiveness because as soon as you've received that gift of forgiveness, what the heck is happening? <laughs> Tell him I said hi. <laughs> also, that is an awesome bitmoji of Father John. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Did you cancel? Is this the second time you're canceling him? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it could be an emergency it's then. It's not. Oh, it's just Father John? Yeah. Oh, is that like when family members call you incessantly for like ten times, like ten times, because you're not answering? Is he like one of those? It's no, it's it, the first one wasn't him. I don't know who the first one. Was. Oh, okay. I thought he was calling you twice. It's okay. I'm ignoring him. <laughs> he can handle it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. So this episode is going to have to be edited heavily. <laughs> is it though? Can well, we just leave it and say, Hey, this is what happens in the span of like 45 or we could leave it minutes in. to an hour. Whatever. All right. But we need to recognize our, our need for healing. Yeah. Quick question. Yeah. What is that on? I can't read from here cause my glasses broke. Oh, this is going to be actually for next week. Oh, I, I brought it in just in case. Oh, okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll deal with this next week. Okay. What does uh, it say? I can't read. Prayer for forgiveness. Wow. I am so blind. That's bad. It's I, I no, I, I literally can't see that. 
It's not very far. I'm nearsighted. How many fingers am I holding up? Okay, that is different. <laughs> okay, your your hand is like bigger than the average person, I think. It is. It actually, is. Yes. Yeah. But those are small, tiny black letters. I can't see that. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So, you want to save that for next week? I want to save that for next week. For now, all right. I want to say the, the one of the best things we can do is honestly and sincerely, and in a spirit of prayer. This is an important piece. Yeah. In a spirit of prayer, confront our imperfection. If it's not done in a spirit of prayer, one of the things that's dangerous is that we'll start to beat ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that examination of conscience moves from being an honest assessment of where I am in life and what I need to just being a chance to kick myself for my mistakes, right. to beat myself up for my for my errors. If it's done in a spirit of prayer, we say, Lord, help me to know what I need. Help me to understand my need for your mercy. We bring it to God, Jesus, in your name, I want to understand my own soul and the state of my soul because I know that you can be merciful. And mm -hmm. then having done that in a spirit of prayer, we go to confession. This is the big thing, get to confession. Mm -hmm. We bring that to, to God's mercy. We can walk out knowing that those sins have been wiped out, forgiven, cleaned, yeah, like your chains are broken. Yeah. Like every time at confession. And and in such a powerful way that those things we might remember them but they're they're gone, they're forgiven. And this is the other thing that I always have to remind people of often in confession is they'll talk about things that happened that they've already confessed. Mm. Only since your last confession. Like you you're not in every single confession you're not confessing everything that you've ever done in your entire life. You're confessing what's what's happened since the last time you went to confession, unless there's some big sin or something that you recognize that you never confessed before, mm -hmm. in which case, please bring that to confession. But that's the gift of God's mercy. God wants to forgive all of that. When we bring that out, when we start really reflecting honestly and examining our, our own hearts, we're doing that with the lion that is not tame, mm. but good. Ooh, put that on a mug. <laughs> Or a t-shirt. <laughs> I think that's too many words that's for a, a mug lot. or a t-shirt. You know, I put that on an Instagram post. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we need to bring that to him. Yeah. Because then he can he can do what lions do. Besides roar. He eats it. I was going <laughs> to I was going to go with that one it. first. He destroys it. But he destroys it not to be destructive, not for the, the sake of, of raw violence or being destructive, but for our sake. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. So if we want to learn and understand the mercy that we understand that the world needs, we can see that. We need to accept it in our own lives first. I, I really don't believe that mercy will happen in the world or that the world is going to be changed by God's mercy unless each of us individually yes, starts to recognize our own mercy. Because the effect, and we'll talk about this when we get into our next episode, but the effect of knowing my own need for mercy and receiving it, mm -hmm. knowing that I have in fact been forgiven, knowing that I have been given that gift of healing and that grace, the effect is that I can see it in you. Mm. I can see your need for mercy. But because I've been where you are, I've been in that chair, I've, I've, I've sat there knowing my need for mercy, and fearing it, um, I've, I've struggled against it. I know that you need that mercy. Well, therefore, I can, I can offer it to you. You become an agent of mercy. That's what the world's calling us to. The yeah. Lord's calling us to, not the world. The world doesn't want us to do that. The Lord wants us to do that. Words are hard today. 
Hey folks, if you would like to donate to the fund to uh, remove my beard from my face and help our young people to do some great things this summer uh, in service of others and for the sake of their own growth in the faith, uh, check out the show notes. We've got the link there and uh, we appreciate your generosity. That's as close as we come to uh, having a sponsor where my beard is our sponsor. Organic material is your sponsor. Oh, it's organic. That's hipster. <laughs> I mean, you got to sell it the way you got to sell it, man. <laughs> hey, Paula, thanks. This was great. You're welcome, dude. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Father Sam Kachuba. And I'm Paola Pena. This is Roar Like the Lamb. Mm-hmm.